0: Let me begin, first of all, by sharing with you some generic uh, 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 information about Gospels, alright? We know there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. In that order, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So what are the Gospels? The Gospels actually, essentially, are the first-hand accounts of what Jesus said and what jesus did so these four people that were chosen to write the four gospels actually saw actually heard what jesus said and they recorded down first hand not second hand first hand of what they saw and what they heard but then the question we ask is why four gospels the key is this It's like a four-dimensional angle of the same thing, so that there is no doubt whatsoever of what Jesus did and what Jesus said if four witnesses write about it. But in maybe a little variation here and there, but by and large, a four-angle, dimensional look and perspective of what Jesus said and did it's like a beach ball you know, you know you know the beach balls different colors if you look at this angle it is black white red you look at this angle it is purple green and yellow but it's the same beach ball It's the same so four different persons writing on four angles on the gospel matthew mark luke and matthew mark luke form what we call the synoptic gospels as differentiated from the fourth gospel which is john's gospel so we always say the synoptic gospels which is matthew mark and luke and the fourth gospel which is john why because there is a difference between the first three synoptic gospels Synoptic comes from the compound word sin and optic. Sin means together, optic means to see. So the three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, see it together because they write what Jesus did and see. Whereas the fourth gospel is a separate gospel because in the John's Gospel, besides writing what Jesus did and see, John, writes who Jesus is. That's why in John's Gospel, and only in John's Gospel, you have the seven I am's. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. You'll only find that in John's Gospel because John's Gospel tells you who Jesus is. I use the word is because he is still here with us. Whereas Matthew, Mark, and Luke tells you and I what Jesus said and did and they they comprise what we call the synoptic Gospels. Now, let let me now zero in on the Gospel of Matthew. I've got a lot to say to you today, so bear up with me, alright? And I will say it as simply as possible, as concise as possible. And as I went through this overview, as I digested it, I I wanted to share with you something that you can remember you can take home and yet comprehensive it's not too simple it's not too deep and yet it is enough for you to remember so i I come up with this and as i refer to other other commentaries as well Um, and uh, and incidentally uh, i want to ask a question which i will answer later matthew is not the first gospel to be written mark was the first gospel that was written and then followed by Matthew if Mark was the first gospel that was written before Matthew and here is my question which I will answer in a short while we should think about it now why is it that Matthew comes first before Mark I'll answer a short while later but you think about it so this is my summary of what I'm going to do today very easy to remember specifically the Gospel of Matthew are two big things distinctive from the other three Gospels it is the Gospel to the Jews it is specifically written to the Jews to a Jewish audience now when I say it is written specifically to the Jewish audience I don't mean that the Gentiles are not affected no Whatever is written there, it also applies to us Gentiles which comes to the second subheading and is very, very specific, especially to us in SIBKL because the Gospel of Matthew is the gospel for discipleship. And then I will end. To apply this, all the information I give to you, how do I internalise it? What is my response and posture to all of this information that will carry me forward every time I hear a passage expounded from this gospel? So let me go to the first one. Matthew is the gospel specifically written to the Jews why how do i know that how do the commentators know that well there are four distinctives only distinctive to the gospel of matthew which is not found in the other gospels which tell us that the gospel of matthew specifically is written to a jewish audience number one the theme of the gospel of matthew is the kingdom of heaven Huh, if you are sharp enough, you would notice that I didn't say the kingdom of God. This term, the kingdom of heaven, is specific to Matthew. And you'll find that in the other Gospels, they use the term the kingdom of God. Now, is that Matthew's preference? Is that no, it has a targeted purpose. Why? Because to a Jew... The name of God is sacrosanct. They cannot say God, Yahweh, Jehovah. They cannot say why? Because the name is too holy to them. Up to today, he will say a Jew will say, "Heaven bless you." They will say, "God bless you." Pray to heaven heaven will help you why because the term god is too 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 holy to them unlike many of us huh? we use the name of god and the name of jesus so glibly oh my god so but to, we don't use oh my god oh my gosh hey gosh it's gone no. or we're still oh jesus hey please huh? Make the name of God holy. Let alone use it as a curse word. To the Jew, so holy that they dare not even pronounce Yahweh. They take off the vowels and use this what we call the tetragrammaton in the Torah and in the Hebrew Bible. So because we see this, the kingdom of heaven, not other the kingdom of God, in the book of Matthew, we know that it is targeted specifically to the Jews because they cannot use God glibly. Cannot. The second distinctive in the Gospel of Matthew which gives us the conclusion that it is specifically to the Jews, is that more than in the other three Gospels, Matthew has more references to the Torah and to the Old Testament compared to the other three. All in all, 121 references to the Old Testament. Why? Because it is written to the Jews. To the Jews, at that point in time when Matthew wrote the Gospel, they don't have the New Testament they only have the Old Testament it is the Torah it is their. it is inverted commas their Bible so if you are writing to the Jews and the Jews are very steep in the Old Testament so you will make references to the Old Testament more right all in all 121 references even in the birth of Jesus alone there were 13 references to the Old Testament in Matthew from um, jeremiah from micah from hosea and from isaiah even on the birth of jesus christ in the matthew account 13 references why it is written to the jews to whom the old testament means a lot more than to gentiles and i I guess i want to say this there are people who say that uh, the old testament is not important i only worry about what paul says hey look is it important of course that's why jesus says this statement again and again in matthew which probably and i'm not sure about this is probably not found in the other gospels is this so that it might be fulfilled as spoken by the prophets why because to the jews the prophets matter so Jesus make this statement now my point is this if the Old Testament is important to Jesus how come it's not important to us but yes I B K it is important to us amen to bring this further One of the reasons why Matthew focused on the Old Testament is because to the Jews, they thought that when Jesus came, he came to debunk the Old Testament, to nullify the law, and to abolish the prophets. So when Matthew wrote this specifically to the Jews, he wants to correct this wrong thinking to tell them, no, no, no. Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. That is why only in Matthew that you find this what Jesus said. What did Jesus say? Don't think that I have come to abolish the Torah or the prophets, the law. I have come not to abolish it, But to complete it, yes, indeed. I tell you that until heaven and earth pass away, not such as a yud or an aorta or a stroke will pass away from the Torah. Now, uh, to the Gentile, so what? But to the Jew, it matters. That Jesus Christ came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. In fact, he came to give you. A higher law. The Sermon on the Mount. I'll come to that in a short while. So this is very important as we look at the whole theme that it is specifically to the Jews and not only to the Gentiles. When I say this, it doesn't mean it doesn't apply to us Gentiles. Now I will answer the question, Why is it that Matthew is put first and not Mark? It's because of this reason. When the early church fathers canonized the scripture, they put Matthew ahead of Mark in spite of the fact that Mark was written earlier so that there will be a seamless transition from the Old Testament to the New why because matthew had a lot of references in the old testament so when you read matthew first and there's a lot of references in the old testament in the thinking and of the early church fathers and under the inspiration and guidance of the holy spirit they put matthew first so that there is now a seamless transition from the old to the new that's the only reason why matthew comes before mark understand so that's why it's matthew mark luke and John and the fourth reason why we say that Matthew is persecuted to the Jews is because of the genealogy in Matthew 1 you notice in the the genealogy of Matthew 1 which we will talk about it maybe next week or a couple of weeks later it begins with Abraham and David both of whom are very highly respected by the Jews That's why we say Matthew is written specifically to the Jews. But why? Why is it that God wanted Matthew and chose Matthew, a Jew himself, to write a gospel to the Jews? Two reasons. Firstly, to reach out to the Jews. What else? It's a no-brainer, right? Because the gospel is good news. So clearly, the Gospel of Matthew is written to reach out to the Jews to change their Judaistic mindset to the Christian mindset, right? Because it's a mindset change. It is a life transformation. And it's not easy to change the mindset of a Jew. You know, the Jews are very steep in their culture. Centuries, other centuries of Judaistic mindset. So, he wrote the Gospel of Matthew to reach out to the Jews. But equally important, it's also addressed to the Gentiles so that you and I do not forget our Jewish roots. Correct or not? Jesus was a Jew. And all of this happened in Israel. It is the Holy Land. And whether we like it or we don't, we owe a debt to the Jews. Never forget never forget them we don't have to be jewish but believe it or not just to remind you and remind me of our jewish roots before i go to the next section which is very important and if you are sleeping now you have to wake up because the next section is very relevant to us in sibkl but before I go to the next section, uh, I want to do a commercial break. That is why we have the, where's Ting? We have the PLM ministry. Praise the Lord, come on, let's give God a clap offering for, brother, for Pastor Ting. You know, for many years, uh, uh, we had a PLM ministry which stands for the Promised Land Ministry. Eh? Uh, that, was, uh, that went defunct uh, because nobody took it up. And lo and behold, God sent Pastor Ting. And somehow God deposited in his spirit uh, a desire to restart, and we restarted that about three or four years ago. And every month, we have a meeting where we look at the Jewish roots of our Christian faith and we look at passages of scripture, get speakers to look at the Bible that we don't look at it usually from the pulpit. You see, is that important? Yes, and so uh, and this is a promotion. Huh? Uh, in, May, in April this year, we are inviting a Messianic Jew. Called Dr. Eli Lysokin Eisenberg, alright, who is a professor and a scholar to come here to teach us on what? The Jewish roots of the Son of Man in Matthew. What better than you hear it from a messianic Jew who is a scholar? So keep the date free, huh? Eh? We'll let you know later, right? When the time comes. So what is Matthew's Gospel? I'm doing an overview. Number one, everybody say it's the Gospel to the Jews. One more time, everybody say Gospel to the Jews. But the second thing you must remember about the Matthew Gospel, and this is where it is very relevant, very specific, very current, and I would believe very appropriate to us at SIBKL for this year, it is the Gospel for discipleship. Why do I say that? And from now onwards, I'm going to share with you something that is very specific. I'm amazed. I'm shocked myself when I, when I saw this, when I looked and read a lot of it about it, and, and I'm amazed that God, by His divine hand of guidance, made us look at the Gospel of Matthew, and I said, wow, thank you, Lord. Why is that? Because this year, as you know, in SIBKL, our theme is what come on say together with me everybody left to right front to back loud and clear what is our theme for 2019 at our 25th anniversary this year is one more time and I shared with you at the opening message of this year it means discipleship following Jesus means Not only following him blindly, uh, but follow his teaching, obey his teaching, so that we become followers of Jesus, essentially a disciple of Jesus Christ. So the theme for this year is, and the hope for this year, for the leadership of this church, is that as you follow us, not only the messages, but everything that occurs in this church, is that you will grow deep. You will want to go further. You will love the Lord more. And it will be displayed and and, and expressed out in the transformation of your life, in your family, in your work, in your choices of life, in the entirety of your life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So that's our, our aim, okay? It's all about discipleship. And praise the Lord! Matthew is about discipleship now why do i say that in matthew's gospel why do i say that it is about discipleship and it is simply this you see of all the four gospels two gospels are written uh, uh, for pre-believers and two are written for believers matthew and john are written for believers mark and Luke are written for pre believers. Alright? So, when you want to give a gospel to a pre believer, don't give Matthew, don't give John. A lot of people give John, it's very profound because it is for believers. You give either Mark or Luke, best is Mark. So, Matthew and John are written for believers. To disciple them and to make them grow as a Christian, as a Christian, as a believer. But in those days, Christians are, believers are not called Christians. Correct or not? When was the first time believers are called Christians? Antioch. 11 the Christians oh sorry the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch during Paul's days so when Matthew wrote this the believers were not called Christians what were they called disciples so if we say that Matthew is written for believers it is written for disciples in fact I would go one step further to say that his whole book of Matthew is a manual of discipleship. And when I saw this, I said, praise the Lord. And God has led us to look at Matthew this year, not by accident, but by divine guidance. Why? Yes, you still go to Canaan land to go and buy books about discipleship, but what better book to read than the book from God himself? The gospel of matthew so if you and i want to grow in our discipleship praise the lord now look at matthew la, because it is the manual specifically to make disciples isn't god good and i said it's a manual why it's not a textbook it's not a reference book what's the difference what's the difference between a manual and a textbook You never say a car textbook one, no? You say a car? Manual. Why? Because there are practical things. It tells you what to do. Correct or not? A textbook is theory. You study it for reference. But this is not a theoretical book. It is a manual. Meaning, it tells you how to behave like a disciple. Sermon on the Mount and the other sermons it tells you how to behave how to make disciples so as we study this manual my prayer is that every one of us in our lives in our work in our family whatever it is that govern our life will be totally transformed amen you agree with me say amen and not only that in those days in those days uh, When they write, the purpose of the writing is usually stated at the end of the letter. And that is the same for John's gospel. Look at it. It's also the same for Mark's gospel. Look at it. So what was the purpose of Matthew just to uh, 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 substantiate that the book of Matthew is a manual of discipleship. You look at the last verse. So what is the last verse of Matthew? Read it with me. Are you ready? Left to right, front to back. Read out loud. One, two, three. This is the purpose of Matthew. It is a manual of discipleship. And Matthew writes at the end of all the things that he has written down, what Jesus said, what Jesus taught, everything. The purpose is that as we obey everything that Jesus has said, you become a disciple. And not only you and I become a disciple, you go and make disciples. That was always in the mind of Matthew. Why? Because the gospel of Matthew. Is a manual of discipleship and praise the Lord. We're looking at it. Come on, let's give God a clap offering. And so I, I came up with this. The whole purpose of Matthew's gospel is this to make disciples by teaching us, you and I, to obey all the things that Jesus has commanded as recorded in the book of Matthew so that we can now not only be transformed, but we also make more disciples, because Matthew 38, verse 18, 19, right? After the Jesus kind. And that's my prayer. My prayer in this church, week after week, as we look into the two sermons on one chapter of Matthew, is not only a didactic teaching, it's a manual. All right, and I will share with you afterwards that that the master teacher has a fantastic form of pedagogy in the book of Matthew. And I'll share it in a short while. Why it is so good that as we study the book of Matthew and look at the pedagogy that's written in the book of Matthew, we will be amazed of the master disciple, Jesus Christ, and we look at the book of Matthew, it is the book of discipleship. While we also seek aids, look and study this book. Because the key is, the purpose of Matthew is for us to grow in our discipleship by looking at what Jesus taught and obeying. Amen. It's only when we obey that our lives are changed. That's my prayer for every one of us this year in this church. Let me summarize. Very easy. What is the gospel of Matthew two things for are two things everybody say number 1 it is the number 2 it is the now now let me try to amalgamate the two and it makes more small sense i will try to 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 put the two together and then it will make more sense huh? all right and i will try the whole purpose, if you look at the first purpose and the second purpose, and, and we want to glean from the benefit of what Matthew writes, so that we, even as Gentiles, learn how to become a disciple, right? Even though it was specifically written to the Jews, it can apply to us, right? Because we are also believers, ma, right? So we also want to become disciples, right? So I, I, I want to, but specifically for Matthew, he's got a big, 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 problem why his purpose when he wrote to the jews this gospel is to change centuries of mindset from the judaistic mold to the christian mindset it's a world of difference all right so why is it a world of difference this is the jewish mindset the Jewish mindset up to today is this we live on this present evil age on the earth according to the Jews the Messiah has not come so they are waiting for the Messiah which we know is Jesus to come and of course when the Messiah comes there'll be there'll be a lot of grief and sorrow because when Jesus returns with a prince on his hand, Prince, P R I N T S, they will, Zechariah, they will grieve because for once they recognize that they have crucified their Messiah. But to them, their eyes are blinded. Matthew tells you why. All right, quoting Isaiah. They see, but they don't understand. But they are waiting for the Messiah to come. And when the Messiah comes, the Messiah will now usher in the age to come. God will now reign. This is the Jewish mindset now. So when Matthew writes the, 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 the gospel to the Jews, he has to change his mindset, you know. Change his mindset to what? The Christian mindset. Your mindset, my mindset. So what is our mindset? What is this? So this is the Christian mindset. I thought the best thing to put in a diagram. The Christian mindset is this. Jesus has already come. And not only has the Messiah come, he died on the cross, buried three days, rose up, and now he is reigning in the heavenly realms. But at the same time, the Christian mindset believes, you and I, that we are still left on earth. And Satan still rules the first heaven, right? That's why you and I are still subject to death, disease, and decay. Because of the present evil age, which will end when Jesus returns. So every time we take the bread and take the wine, we do it until he comes. This is a promise of the Lord. And that's how the Bible ends. Even so, come Lord Jesus. And this is our belief. Our anticipation. Our hope. It's not a hopeless hope, but it is a hope based on a promise and we believe that Jesus will return. This is our belief. And when Jesus returns, God will then usher in the age to come. Now, this is the Christian mindset. But the point is this. Let me go back to here. That's where we are. Jesus Christ has already come. He's seated in the heavenly realms and you and I as subjects of the kingdom and as subjects of the king should sit up here to reign with him. That's, we read that in Ephesians, ma. We are all seated in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus, right? Correct or not? You remember Ephesians or not last year? All right, and I'm so glad we did Ephesians last year. Come uh, so that we can now do uh, Matthew he say, "It's God, no, ready it's ready, it's really God." But the fact is this, we are still here. So how do we go from here to here while our feet is planted on planet Earth? How then do we reign and rule with the governance and the rule of God upon our shoulders so that we live the kingdom life on planet Earth? The answer is: discipleship. So what is the aim of discipleship? The aim of discipleship, oh sorry, the aim of discipleship, and there's a whole manual of discipleship specifically to the Jews, and now we can apply it to the Gentiles, and this is part that we apply it to our Gentiles, so that now we live our daily life seated in the heavenly realms to rule and to reign. So now we live the kingdom lifestyle. Our choices are now different. Whatever affects us is different. We, 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 we live on the earth with the authority of victory. No, no more defeat, no more disappointment, no more... No! Even though we are still living on planet earth, the whole purpose of your study of discipleship in the transformation of your life is so that you and I can live a victorious Christian life while on planet earth. That's the whole purpose of discipleship. Is to bring us from this level to this level. See, the whole purpose is not only to take us out of the domain of darkness, but to prepare us while we are still on the earth to live in a domain of light. So that when Jesus comes, we are ready. Do you understand what I'm saying? How many of you understand what I'm saying? Raise your hands, encourage me. This is the whole purpose of the manual of discipleship as I digest it, as I read, and I begin to internalize it. And this is why Matthew wrote the gospel, so that you and I can now begin to be victorious in our Christian life now I began to look at other portions of Scripture and I find this absolutely consistent I told you huh, the whole purpose of Matthew is for us to obey all right all the teachings so that we become disciples of Jesus Christ with authority to live a victorious Christian life So that the rule of God The kingdom of God The kingdom of heaven Which is actually the governance of God Now begin to invade and pervade Every aspect of our life on earth Okay Is this consistent? And that's what you summarise in Matthew 28 verse 18-19 Answer is yes Why? Because if I go back To the original call of Jesus, why he called the disciples to him as stated better in Mark chapter 3. Now turn with me now to Mark chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. It makes sense. So we allow scripture to explain scripture in Matthew and sorry. in Mark chapter 3 verse 13 and 14 we read here was a time when Jesus went up into the hills called to him those he wanted and all the 12 apostles or disciples came to him and all the names are written there all right okay and in verse 14 he appointed twelve, vaccinated them apostles. Why? Why? These are the three reasons. Number one, that they may be with Him. Number two, that they may have authority over the demonic realm. Number three, that they may now preach the gospel. If you look at this, this is... concise part of Matthew 28 verse 18 and 19 all authority is given to me Jesus said at the end of Matthew it's about authority disciples how do I know that you are growing as a disciple you carry and you know how to exercise the God-given authority, the resurrection power that God has given to you over your choices, over your life, a family. You don't live a defeated life with the shame. No. The key is that we learn boldly to exercise that authority. That's why Jesus brought the to him. All right, And that's what's stated in Matthew all authority is given to me jesus said now go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the fast and holy spirit and go and make disciples go and preach the gospel right and lo i am what with you i'm going to be with you he took the disciples to be with him so even as we live this life you and i do not live this life alone the power, the authority, the resurrected power, the now that Jesus can say, even though I'm dead but I'm alive, I enable you, empower you on planet earth now to live your life in victory. Because the authority that is given to me, I give it to you. I am with you always to the end of the ages. Come on, let's keep our a crap offering. So if you compare Matthew 28, verse 18 and 19, at the end of Matthew to the original purpose why Jesus called the three disciples to him, that's the ultimate aim. And I want you and I, as we begin to study the book of Matthew, to work towards this end that our lives are now lived in victory with authority as we, now doesn't come automatic, huh? as we obey everybody say obey like following jesus means obeying him huh? not just study huh? obey as we come to do that all authority is now given to jesus we can exercise it because he's here today with us in order to do that Matthew has five blocks of teaching these are the five blocks and this is where I now go into the master's pedagogy of discipling these five blocks of teaching that many commentaries do differently all right now it's okay all right you can read any commentaries all right they do differently It's fine all right but this is to me the best Chapter 5. Now, why, 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 why is teaching important? Look, you must be taught, right? You must be taught, ma. Look, before I became a gynecological surgeon, I have to go through courses to learn the theory. But even if I get all A's in my surgical or gynecological textbook, I, I don't become a gynecological surgeon, right? What must I do? I must practice, right? Would you trust me if I get all A's, are terrible, I cannot do? Uh, uh, you don't trust a surgeon that way, right? So that's what it is. The master pedagogy, pedagogue rather, the master teacher, now begins to teach, in the book of Matthew, five blocks of teaching. Matthew 5 to 7, Kingdom Life. This is the one on the Mount. The longest block of teaching. It's three chapters. It's the most popular and we will spend a lot of time. Months. Months on it because... Here is, some people call it the Kingdom Manifesto. Here is the block of teaching where you and I now live as subjects of the King, how to live the, 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 the victorious Christian life, not at the old level but at a higher level. Wow. And the Beatitudes is only one aspect of the Sermon on the Mount. The Beatitudes is not the Sermon on the Mount, huh? The Beatitudes is only one small aspect of the entire Sermon on the Mount. But that carries the biggest block. The next one is Matthew chapter 9, verse 10, called Kingdom Mission. Here, we read that Jesus began to send the disciples two by two, 72, and began to teach them, go to this, go to that. The Kingdom of of Heaven is here. And, And this is called about mission, all right? This mission. It is very important. Chapter 13 is kingdom growth. All the parables. Parable of the sower, the parable of the net, la. the parable of the wheat and tares, the parable of the. Uh, don't know what else. La. of the All the parables. La, huh? Why? It talks about growth. 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 Why? Because the kingdom of God advanced. So you think so? It's like a leaven. Like a leaven. It grows. That kind of thing. So kingdom growth. Remember, it's a manual of discipleship. Chapter 18, kingdom community. How to deal with sin, offenses, forgiveness, church discipline. This living in a community. How do you connect with one another? How do you... Forgiveness of sin is important. Offenses is important. How do you deal with that? Why? Because it's kingdom life. It's a manual of discipleship. And finally, Matthew 24, 25. Kingdom future. What is the whole future of this kingdom? How will it end? What will happen after it ends? And Jesus then at the at the Olivet Discourse begins to tell us how the kingdom of God will end. How the and he lists down four very clear signs. That when you see these four signs, the kingdom of God will come, and this will be the end. Now, those four signs are already evident today. And by October, I want to believe that by the time we look at this passage, those four signs that are so clear today, will become clearer still. And if you want to know what those four signs are, make sure you are here in October. but you notice what happens to the chapters in between deeds 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 it is teaching and doing words and deeds come in here come and see the master teacher that's how i learned my surgery books and then my prof will teach me, Wing, this is how you do it. And if I do wrong, go back to the books. Come back again. Wow, the master pedagogue. It is a manual of discipleship. And if we study this for the whole year, I want to believe that our lives will be transformed. You agree with me? Say it aloud, Amen. Let me close, as I have the worship team up on board. After all this information, what then should be our response? How do we take it in, appropriate it, so that at the end of the day, our lives are changed? It's not just a pure uh, message or a pure theory, eh? because it's a manual, right? So I I listed down here, three responses we should have as number one because the whole scene is a kingdom of heaven heaven on earth you and i should now have a christian counterculture to live our lives at a higher plane and even though we have not reached there and none of us will reach there at any time but we go through the process of this remember the journey right after the decision comes a journey it is not the end product Alright, it's not the end. It is a journey until the last day we die. So it is a discipleship journey. But the key is this. As we begin to journey, as a disciple, three responses. Number one, Matthew says, be faithful as a servant of the kingdom. All the talents that God gave you, use it! Don't hide it. Why? Because one day You and I will be held accountable for it No. Keep the lamp burning Don't let the oil run out Be faithful Wow Can I share this with you, friend? While we journey on this journey of discipleship Be faithful Be faithful God has called you and I separately to our different domains There are many things you can do I can't do There are many things other people can do you cannot do Just be faithful Is that difficult? Secondly Be loyal Because we are subject to the king It's not even the king It is the king of kings Loyal only, not only to God But loyal to the house of God Now why do I say that? Because, and again it's very very unusual That the word church Is only found in Matthew Stranger Two times. Two times the word church is found in the ecclesia. And if you put it in the context of the discipleship process, it tells me. It's not written there in black and white, but it tells me where is discipleship forged? In the context of the church not the four walls yeah the church is imperfect yes we make a lot of mistakes but what to do that's the best we have but Jesus says I will build my churches and the gates of hell will not prevail against it because it is the power and the authority of the resurrected Jesus not your cleverness not love the church the third response is very unusual not only as we study matthew can i encourage you and me to be faithful as a servant that's what is written there to be loyal as a subject to the king of kings and the lord of lords and to his house but thirdly the third response is to be filial as a son Very distinctive to Matthew The word Father is mentioned 44 times As contrasted to Mark, only 4 times As contrasted to Luke, only 17 times But in the book of Matthew, 44 times Why? and hear me very well. In the mind of Matthew as he writes the gospel which is the manual of discipleship, the holy spirit prompted him to do this, to put in the father heart of god into the entire manual why? Because if we only treat god as a master, if we only treat god as a king, what will happen? is that when we approach god it is respect nothing wrong with that we should respect god we should honor god we should fear him with reverential or why because he is the master he is the king of kings look when you go before the presence of the agong many people they don't even look up right they look down why because it is the king more so the king of kings so if it was only addressed as a servant and a subject, what we will happen is that we will obey the law. The law is in it his instruction. But Matthew says no. Overarching all this, servant, subject, you are a son. You are a son of the Father. Why is that important and with these are close because if you and i purely approach god and the manual of discipleship process as a subject or a servant there's respect but the lord says no i don't want respect alone i want relationship i want you to connect with me heart to heart as a father and a son or a father and a daughter." discipleship is relationship to be with Him If I only deal with subjects and servants it's intimidation I'd be so fearful, right? But no, Lord, no it's intimacy If I only worry about servants and subjects it's instructions, Instruction, No, it's also impartation More is caught than taught And finally friends, it's never about the law. There's a higher law. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And your neighbour as yourself. Upon this hangs the law. It's all about love. So even as we approach the Gospel of Matthew this year, can I encourage us to have honor respect listen to it as a book of instruction as a manual but more important than that my prayer is that you and i grow to love the lord jesus more amen love him more obey him because we love him that's what pastor fergus said last year last week we love and we obey right love the lord and you find that obedience is seamless Let's pray. Oh, hallelujah. We are in for a wonderful time, you know. A journey with the Lord this year as He opened up Scripture to us. May our eyes be opened. May our hearts be opened. Like the disciples on the journey to, to, to uh, Emmaus. More than just the instruction. More than just the teaching of the Old Testament. The critical point was when their eyes were opened and they saw the Lord for who He was, who He is. And they said, did not our hearts burn? And my prayer for you and for me is this year, as we look through and go through the Gospel of Matthew, may the manual of discipleship go through us, and then we live in a different spiritual plane, a higher plane, so that we can say to the world, a new commandment I give to you That you love one another By this Shall all men know That you are my disciple. It's a higher law The law of the kingdom of heaven on earth May we leave this out, my friend May we leave this out this year In our ministry, in our work And that's my prayer Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, you have heard the vows and the promises and the words that have gone up to you across the length and breadth of this auditorium. We know, God, that these are not flippant words. These are words, Father, Lord, that are spoken out of conviction. And my prayer, oh God, is that this conviction will not be just emotional, but it will be deep. It will go deep right down to our spirit man that as we leave this place, we know and we know that this is what You want us to do. And it cannot be business as usual. It cannot be life as if nothing has changed. But this day, we want to follow You. We want to learn, apply, obey, and practice. Oh, Father, we bless Your name so that we can be faithful servants, loyal subjects, filial sons, and filial daughters of our Heavenly Father. So that you're not ashamed of us, but you're proud of us. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you this day. May the Lord make His face always, to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face, turn His beautiful, scarred but yet beautiful face to you and to me, and always grant us shalom. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. And all as people, say aloud, "Amen." Let's give God a good clap, Offering Church. God bless you.